When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Oh, yeah, Saturday mornings are all right here at Saturdays in the Gong. Coming to you live from Wollongong Golf Club on a crisp but beautiful Saturday morning. Hopefully you're enjoying the start to your weekend. Welcome to our listeners in Sydney on 11.70, as well as down here in the Illawarra, 15.75 a.m., the app and the website. And thanks to our sponsors, Wollongong City, GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today, as well as the legends at Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. I'm Tim Barrow from the Illawarra Mercury. Joining me this morning is my Mercury colleague, the Minister for NRL, Mitch Jennings, good morning to you, mate. There's nothing like the sniff of state of origin. Nothing, absolutely. It's that time of year. We love it. Minister for NRL, Jez. I thought it was the stack field. Yeah, I thought I'd come up with something. Yeah, that's different. very good. Yeah. Very, very good. What's the package on that? That would be pretty handy, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be pretty handy, and there's, there's never any shortage of, uh, of news or issues to cover there. So, yeah, it'd be pretty handsome. We talk, uh, we're going to talk plenty of state of origin today. We'll get to the Dragons later on after their loss to the Dolphins on Thursday night. We've also got a treat for our Sydney listeners as well. After 8.30, we're going to be talking to Sydney Kings Chief Executive Chris Pongrass as they put their roster together as the uh, the Sydney listeners are with us for the first hour. So plenty of NRL to talk to and we're going to throw to the captain of the Saturdays in the Gong ship, Matty Russell, but we're going to do it in style today. We're going to introduce him in fitting fashion. Matty Russell, good morning to you. I must have listened to Tina Turner's stories ten times over in the last couple of days, but I loved every single minute of it. I'm in that sweet spot in terms of simply the best, where it was just absolutely iconic. It just gets me going still every time. And, uh, yeah, great tributes to Tina Turner this week. Matty, have we got you on the line? He's, maybe he's just maybe he's still overwhelmed. He, he's, he's going back watching the, some yeah, old the nostalgia as we go. Some back. old clips, but it, it was extraordinary though, Mitch. Just given, you know, you, you go back and it was so controversial at the time that they would 
have Tina Turner actually promote the game. And the way it changed the face and the image of the game, it actually brought women to the game. They got excited about it. You know, the players had their, their kits off on the beach and, you know, Tina was having a lot of fun with all the, the videos. I mean, she was in high heels on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. I mean, without a harness, no less. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> just, just extraordinary to look back and see the way it actually changed the game. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. It's one of those songs still. I, I have a, a, a visceral reaction to it. It's one of those ones where it just takes transports you straight back to a place. That was obviously... I was in my infancy as a rugby league fan when that was, you know, around the, the back end of the Winfield Cup years and, and everything else. And, yeah, it's just... It's fantastic. I've heard that song played at funerals of league-mad people I know and everything. It's just so synonymous with the game. And it really, as it's emerged this week, it, it, it's a real line in the sand moment for the game. It, the game can be divided of the modern era into the pre- Tina Turner and post Tina Turner yeah, yeah, era and yeah. I can't believe I'm even uttering that sentence but yeah. it's absolutely true and like you said we, we were talking about it off air Baz I just think it was we still see it now it's just proof that often people can underestimate rugby league people what they think what they can embrace how broad a church it is and I think that's what obviously John Quayle and, and Ken Arthurson probably recognised and they had a lot of faith in rugby league people to get on board with, with something new and to think a bit more broadly than some older voices might typically associate with rugby league and, and rugby league fans can so often be underestimated and often underestimated by you know people who claim to know them the best yeah. and I just think that's something to bear in mind as we keep going forward as the game is going to keep trying to you know go into new territory and, and everything else but I, that, that's what really came out of it for me it, it really was where administrators thought more, thought more highly, and, and gave some higher estimation to rugby league fans and, and what they deserved and what they could embrace. Yeah, absolutely. Now we had a false start with Matty Russell. We'll bring him in now, Matty. We were just talking about uh, obviously with the passing of Tina Turner this week and launching into Origin Week. I mean, there's a lot of sen- sentimentality uh, around uh, the game at the moment. Good morning, boys. Good morning, listeners. Yeah, I had to do a long drive yesterday and. The radio station I was listening to, obviously cognizant of the passing of Tina Turner, was playing her songs, not back-to-back, but sprinkling them through uh, each segment. And the catalogue of hits that she produced, it was just rammed home to me, hit after hit after hit. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, simply the best, um, it it might be your favourite, but if you try and pick a favourite outside that, I didn't know where to start. You know, is is it Private Dancer? Is it, we don't need another hero? And then the hits just kept on coming. And if I'm thinking of it from a rugby league perspective, when it comes to the NRL grand final entertainment, there has to be some sort of Tina Turner tribute, whether it's um, uh, Jimmy Barnes building out her well-known rugby league hit or whether it's a medley of songs that you've got to have this year, surely after her sad passing, some sort of uh, tribute to Tina Turner on grand final day. Well, Matty, it was interesting that you bring that up because uh, what I did see surface this week in, in, the, in the wake of her, her sad passing was the, um, the reboot. A lot of people were, were bringing out that reboot, which, of course, we did have only a couple of years ago ahead of the 2020 season, which ultimately got put on hold and, and sort of lost in, in uh, like everything else in, in the arrival of COVID and, and the pandemic and everything else. But that was the 30th anniversary, and that was just fantastic. I watched it I watched it again, and, and look, at the time, it generated some, some absurd heat. I mean, it was stupid from stupid people, but that that campaign to me was absolutely outstanding. So I, I'd encourage everyone to go back and have a look at that because that was, you know, the Trebojevic brothers as kids in the backyard and, and everything else. I, I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. It was one of the coolest ads I can remember in, in recent times in rugby league. Still simply the best, I think, was the, was the theme then. So 
I'd love to see the NRL uh, revisit that in, in some way, and I'd certainly encourage everyone to go and, and have a look at that because uh, it'll put lead in your pencil, put it that way. Right, from... <laughs> From Tina Turner, let's switch to State of Origin, the build-up to Game 1. On Wednesday, New South Wales have decided to fight fire with fire a bit more this year in terms of their selections in the forward pack to uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. Among them, to, uh, to hit back at that Queensland forward pack, Matty Russell, I think New South Wales have to go and win Game 1 because we're going to Queensland for Game 2. It could well be all over by the time we get to Sydney for Game 3. So... What do you make of the teams? Uh, you know, New South Wales will start favourites, as predictably is always the case. But where do you see the matchups? Um, you know, have New South Wales got it right? I think they've got it right in terms of a bit more heat in that forward pack. I love the fact that Tangai Jr. is there, Hudson Young is there as well. And let's go to the centres for New South Wales because Mitchell and Trebojevic played no part in last year's series. When they were last in the team in 2021, they were dynamic. Game one and game two, New South Wales blitzed Queensland, absolutely wiped them with Latrell and Turbo front and centre. They scored five tries between them in game one. They crossed again in game two and the series was over. I'm with you, Baz. You don't want to be going to Suncorp Stadium 1-0 down in the series, so Adelaide becomes really important. And yes, Queensland have a, a crackerjack team, don't they? Fantastic. But I like the New South Wales bench. I love their centres. And I'm actually questioning this famous maroon loyalty pick and stick because I can't work out how Dane Gagai isn't in the team. I know Hammer's been in great form, but Dane Gagai has delivered since 2015 for Queensland, hasn't missed a game. Uh, has been in fantastic form this season with ball in hand. Yes, he's missed some tackles, but you know what? He's missing fewer tackles per game this year than he did last year, and he's basically on par with what he did in 2017 when he was player of the series. So, for me, that, that's an oversight by Queensland, not just in terms of Dane Gagai, but all of a sudden this famous myth regarding the Maroons has just been shattered. Well, Matty, it's funny you say that. I, I actually think of far better for me to, to, to rap Queensland. Well, I heard... Um, Gordon Tallis, who's obviously, you know, absolutely chief attack dog uh, in the media at this time of year on behalf of Queensland. I mean, Dan, Dan Gagai, I, I think the fact that he played 22 straight would also point to a bit of uh, pick and stick has happened <laughs> along the way, I would think. But it, it's, I'd ask the question, a lot of people have been bringing that up, and, and I agree it's, it's a talking point, Matty, but I mean, at, at the moment, who would you fear more if you're a New South Wales? Would you fear the hammer or would you fear Dan Gagai at the moment on form? It's, it's interesting. I, I think... They, I think they'll often pick and stick, but they've made they've made these type of decisions before, Queensland. As you say, the, the loyalty thing can be a bit of a myth. Matty, Billy Slater, of course. What was interesting for me was the fullback debate around incumbency and Caelan Ponger and how well he played in, uh, in the decider last year. And what was interesting for me or intriguing part of it was Billy Slater was coming in and making a decision to bring in sort of Reese Walsh on form. If you remember, at the back end of Billy Slater's career, he'd missed the series and, the, and Queensland stuck solid. The old Belty with Darius Boyd there at fullback mm. uh, didn't go very well and they uh, parachuted Billy straight back in for game two. So I, I don't know if that was on his mind, if that factored into his into his thinking. But to me, I was, I was one of those people thinking I'd pick Reese Walsh, but I don't think they will. So I think the... It's interesting, I thought, like you mentioned, Baz, they're going back to, to Suncorp in Game 2. There's always pressure in every selection, in every Origin game. But I think this was one where Queensland could afford to have a couple of gambles in there. I think there was a lot more pressure on New South Wales in this instance to get the team right. 
Uh, Matty, I, I like what they did. Tavita Pangai Jr. for me. Interesting. Baz, I know as a Bulldogs fan, he's one of those ones that you can love, but he's also the guy that gets you nervous every time he carries or every time he rushes out of the line. What's he going to do? Yeah. The question I have about Tavita Pangai Jr. is that the way Origins changed, you... Everything now runs second to speed in Origin. It's all about the speed of the ruck, speed of the play of the ball, the speed of the game itself. So I think there's always a risk-reward in, in that type of selection with Tavita Pangai Jr. if you bring him in to be that enforcer type and, and to sort of bully Queensland. The, is the risk-reward now skewed more than it used to be? There was always a place for, you know, the, the guy that the red mist and walks, walks a fine line. But to me, these days in the game, with the sin binnings that can occur far more yeah, readily and everything against. else, the six against, all that yep. type of stuff, is the risk-reward yeah. more skewed towards risk these days, Baz, when it comes to a Tavita Pangai Jr. in origin. Absolutely, and that's the one thing that concerns me. And, you know, as a Bulldog supporter, I watch every game that they play. I mean, Pangai Jr., he will have an impact. He will make an offload, but he also, like we saw here at Wynn Stadium, Zach Lomax made that intercept and ran away. Um, there might be a mistake in him, which all of a sudden, if Queensland get a six again or if there's a sin bin for something that's on the edge, all of a sudden New South Wales are camped down that edge. Although, don't get me wrong, Queensland have got plenty of that in them as well. I mean, Tino, you know, he's got a mistake in him. Uh, he's got sort oh, of that similar sort of pattern. the carbon copy. I, I, said, I remember I messaged you the other day. I said, Tino, he's a guy that... You want in your team, obviously, but I said he's a guy that I would just struggle to pick yeah. in Origin at the moment because yeah. the stupid penalties and the mistakes yep. are just something that you carry. So, and he's a, he's become an Origin regular. So then, Tavita Pangai very much in the same category. It's what got me thinking about it because I think very good point. But I think Tino is exactly that player that you question the risk reward in Origin when mistakes and those silly penalties and mistakes are just so costly at that level. So yeah, interesting. There's probably uh, you know some risk reward in, in both sides in that regard. Now, Matty Russell, I, I was talking uh, earlier in the week about Ben Hunt. Uh, he had his defining moment in Origin last year. It's probably the defining career moment in here. So if we need any more motivation as New South Wales fans, we just have to listen to this bit of audio. Now, Matty, uh, Ben Hunt's situation, I mean, it's probably a great time for him to go away to Origin Camp, just given that uh, the Dragons, they've, they've had their problems this year. He was very loyal to Anthony Griffin. Uh, there's a bit of uncertainty about the direction and whether J Jason Rolls' signing as coach is imminent. So Ben Hunt gets a bit of a reset and he gets the chance to inflict some more damage on... There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Yes, you're back. We're live from Wollongong Golf Club Saturdays in the Gong. The Laura Mercury's Tim Barrow and Mitch Jennings joined by Fox Sports caller Maddie Russell. Now every week Maddie puts together six hard-hitting questions on NRL and no doubt a bit of a state of origin flavour today. Maddie, we know you've come off the long run because you've had a couple of days up there on the Sunshine Coast after calling uh, Thursday night's game. Let's get into it, boys. Uh, the round continues this afternoon, Warriors against Brisbane. Which Warrior are you most excited about joining the club or returning to the club next year? Roger Tuivasa-Shek or Chanel Harris-Savita? Oh, it's got to be got to be RTS. I mean, that's a huge coup for any club to get him coming back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, they're just sailing in the right direction, aren't they, the Warriors? And having Tuivasa Sheck back, that's uh, that's exciting. I think Andrew Webster's doing great things over there. I reckon Janelle Harris-DeVita in his prime, really good in the halves, also an option as a ball-playing middle. I, I look forward to Chanel coming back. That game in Napier tonight on Fox League, Warriors v Brisbane. Now, tonight, Souths against Canberra, which former Origin star is in a negative state after tonight's game. Cody Walker or Jack White? Oh, interesting one, Matty. I I tend to think the Raiders need to win this one. I think Jack White is going to have a monster game. I mean, he's retired from rep footy for this reason. He's obviously, I even heard recently hinted that he, he might come back. So I think that rep retirement this season is very much about, you know, going out on Canberra and repaying Canberra for all the years he spent there. I reckon this is exactly the type of game he'll want to stand up in given that uh, you know he could well be running around in origin next, uh, this week but he's he's sticking around with the Raiders I I tend to think Jack Whiten in a in a knife edge it's a big two points for Canberra if they can pick this up just to try and manage that origin period because if they can come out the other end you know they're, they're right in that finals mix having found a bit of form um, it's a great matchup I'm going to go with Cody Walker though I right now South is still my pick for the comp a dramas tomorrow Newcastle Manly is Queensland's disdain Newcastle's gain when it comes to Gagai? Absolutely, Matty. He's he's one. I'll actually uh, I'll actually be up there taking that one in uh, with a mate. So up there that way, having a bit of a, a bit of a tour with an old mate up there. So I'm looking forward to that one. And but yeah, definitely looking forward to to that performance. I reckon, uh, Dango. We're going to see, even though it won't be in a maroon jumper. I think we're going to see uh, Origin engage mode from Dane Gagai. Oh, uh, nothing fires a player up, a good player up, than missing out on Origin. And we discussed it before. But uh, yeah, I think that could be just about the performance of the round. I'll see you up there, Jenna. I'm doing that game for Fox League. Now, Origin next Wednesday night. So where would you rather be? 8pm Wednesday, Rundle Mall or Queen Street Mall? Whoa. Matty, where are either of those malls? <laughs> <laughs> so Rundle Mall is flat bang in the middle of Adelaide. Queen okay, Street Mall is flat bang in the middle of Brisbane. Okay, there you go. Well, I thought I knew Queen Street. Yeah, Rundle Mall I had no idea about, Matty. So, uh... Oh look, I'll, uh, I, I only get when I'm at the mall. I'm, uh, I spend most of my time in the husband chair. Well, the, the lovely bride Ange does most of her uh, most of her best work in the mall. So uh, I steer clear of the mall whenever I can, Maddie. So I'm going to have to lie down on this one. I'm going to say neither. I tell I tell you what, I've covered enough origins up there in Brisbane where you go out at seven o'clock in the morning to go and get a coffee, and the streets are just lined with Queensland jumpers already. They don't wait till the afternoon. They don't wait till the night time. They're already out there and they're already pumped up. It's absolutely disgusting. So I want nothing to do with Queen Street Mall. I'll be happy to be at uh, at Adelaide. I'm with you, Baz. Uh, give me Rundle Mall any day. That'll be unbearable, Queen Street Mall next Wednesday. Now, the Dragons have never run last. St George Illawarra. So who do they beat home this season? It's a big one, isn't it? I mean, the Tigers have found something. The Bulldogs, well... They could go anywhere yet in terms of their season. They're, they're just hanging on the edge of the cliff. I think the thing with the Dragons is what the direction is for the rest of the season. I mean, the easy option is to bring Ben Hunt back in, just play him at seven and try and build the players up around him, keep those young players coming through. But as we saw, they were a bit directionless last night, uh, on Thursday night. But 
if you don't give them that opportunity when they're out of finals contention, you're not sort of moulding that next generation. And, and we're still a bit uncertain about what Ben Hunt might do next year. So the wheels could easily fall off in terms of wins, and I can easily see them finishing last because there's no obvious contender now. I mean, six, four, six weeks ago, you probably thought, oh, well, the Tigers will win one or two, but they just, just won't be able to put enough together. But right now, I can see the Dragon season easily just slipping away because they're going to end up trying some things to see what sticks for next year. Not that that's necessarily Ryan Carr's priority, but, you know, I mean, the Dragons have got to start looking forward. Matty, yeah, it, it could be any number of contenders for the Spoon. It's a little bit like eighth place. It could be any number of teams if you're picking it at this point of the year, but... Matty, I think if I was uh, putting my house on it, I'd say no team finishes below the Dragons. Yeah, well, West Tigers have the same number of wins currently as the Dragons. Newcastle, one more win with a game in hand. Gold Coast, Roosters, Cowboys, Dogs, two wins ahead. So there's some contenders the if the Dragons aren't run last. Oh, what yeah. Cowboys. How, how are they in this discussion? But, you know, that's yeah. another... I'm t- sorry to, uh, you know, add, make quarter seven tackle set, Matty. I had one there, but boy, oh boy. Yeah, interesting one. Yep. I need Jason Tamalolo back. Not enough to go forward for mine, the Cowboys. But anyway, we've got a set restart. So here's the first tackle of the next set. Tina Turner, man. God bless her. Have you ever danced sober to Nutbush City Limits? Sober? In school, in school I have, Matty. They teach you the they first teach you the steps in school. So I'm talking in primary school. So uh, yeah, just a little bit before a little bit before I did it. Uh, did the more fun way at the wedding, mate. So yeah, I have. I tell you what, I'm just having flashbacks back to the upstairs nightclub at Wagga Leagues Club when I was a younger man, and I tell you what, I certainly wasn't sober, but I know I've done the nut push plenty of times over the years. I think I was even drunk in primary school dancing the nut push city limits just to prepare me for life later <laughs> I on. Think a few of my te- I think a few of my teachers might have been. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to get up and survey the landscape before you plan your moves later on in the night, boys, I always found. That's nut push city limits, the purpose of that song. Maddie, before we go, give us a tip. Uh, which way are you going on Wednesday and by how many? Oh, have we got him? He might have... Stumped him. Blue, might, yeah, he's gone. Blues Roll reversal. 40. Blues by 40. Blues by 40? <laughs> Blues by 40, Maddie. Oh, 38, 42, somewhere <laughs> in that mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll be, uh, I'll be a happy man if I see that on uh, on Wednesday night. Matty, appreciate your time. As always, looking forward to your work on Fox over the weekend. Go the Blues, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. On your men, talk to you later. News time. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Now, Mitch Jennings, we're fiercely sort of loyal, patriotic Illawarra types down here at Saturdays in the Gong. The Hawks play just up the road, but I'll tell you what, it's an absolute pleasure to have our next guest on board. He's the Sydney Kings Chief Executive. The Kings are coming off probably two, well, definitely two of the greatest years in terms of their NBL history with back-to-back championships, including the great Xavier Cooks, who as an Illawarra product, uh, it's just fantastic to see the heights that his career has gone. Uh, Just such a dominant force for the Kings in the last couple of years and now has converted that over into NBA territory. So a pleasure to have you on board this morning, Chris. Thank you for having me on. What an introduction. I wasn't expecting such a warm welcome down in the Illawarra region, mate. Oh, mate, I know Julian uh, O'Brien, one of your, uh, you know, great... uh, 
Kings members up there. He'd, he'd be straight on the phone to me if I uh, if I offered anything less, mate. But uh, <laughs> yeah. mate, listen, yeah, we know that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, you must just be so uh, thrilled and proud of what you've achieved in the last couple of years. I mean, I know it's been a a bit of a a reset uh, this season and you've sort of had to uh, remodel the the roster a little bit, or the fair bit, but I mean, um, you know, what you've achieved has become a new benchmark in the NBL. No, thank you. It has been. It's it's just a great time for the club and, you know, the success post-COVID um, and even over the last four to five years with the new ownership group coming in, again, it's, it's we're extremely proud of what we're doing, but we don't want to stop here. The league continues to, to, to take leaps and strides and, you know, teams wanting to get better. So everyone's doing their best to stay um, in front of each other. But for us, you know, it's just about looking at what's next and not focusing on necessarily the last two years and understanding, yeah, how we can how we can continue the success we've had. And you're right on, on our roster and how it's being shaped out and, and there's a lot of movement, obviously, with Xavier going and, unfortunately, with Chase leaving it. But for the most part, I feel like that's been part of the course the last couple of years. You know, we lost our trio of imports last year, you know, and the year before we lost it, you know... You know, there's so many players that come in and out, but that's just, you know, that's just all part of it and, and a big product of what we're doing. Chris, it's interesting that you're in a position where, you know, you are chasing a, a three-peat, and I imagine it, it's a it's a situation not a lot of clubs ever find themselves in. I mean, it's, it's a very good place to be, no doubt, but I guess when you're trying to go back-to-back, there's an element of it, like, as you mentioned, uh, obviously roster turnover, there's always change in the NBL, that's the nature of the beast in the NBL and the way it operates, but... I imagine there's an element of you know keeping the ball rolling when you're chasing when you're chasing two when you're trying to make it three, and obviously the changing coach and everything else. Have you taken a, a different approach to chasing, I guess, a three-peat than you might have taken towards uh, you know going back to back? It's a great question. I'd say no, actually. I feel like we've we've had a model of how we like to structure our basketball operations and our roster for the last four years since I've been here and I think that shifting that mindset just to chase a championship or to do things different um, wouldn't be the right approach and for us it's about you know continuing to grow yes but but doing the same things that we've been doing for years and bringing in high character players that are obviously skilled um, being fiscally responsible in how we do so but um, I think it is just that continued growth and development year on year um, and to be perfectly honest, I'm just focusing on this year as, as a blank slate. Um, you know, I, I feel like that, yes, we're trying to go for a three-peat, and that's kind of the underlying message, but I, I do want to steer away from that because we will have su- such a number of new faces in the club. And for us, it is, it's going to be more difficult than it was last year. Last year was really tough because teams want to come in and beat us up every night. You know, whether we're the team that, that everyone wants to scalp and take down. And, um, you know, I, I feel like we buy into that, um, competitive spirit and that kind of drives, especially on the road. But it's going to be a, it's going to be an uphill battle with you. I'll tell you that. Chris, uh, you announced yesterday the signing of DJ Hogue. Uh, obviously, had an outstanding season last year with the Cairns Taipans, at averaging 18, 18.1 points, 5.6 rebounds, and 2.8 assists. Uh, it's it's been interesting to contrast the the Kings reshaping the roster. The Hawks were very active in the market. We followed that at the Mercury very closely. Uh, obviously, after their disappointing season last year, they were very quick to act. Um, you guys have, have sort of had to, I guess, hold your cards and watch the 
market a little bit, but that's an exciting uh, signing in terms of DJ Hope. It is. We've, you know, we've been, I've been touted to be apparently City on my hands and, and whatnot, but for us it was about, you know, we had our bench locked up and we knew that coming into the off-season. We did that in advance of the season finishing. And for us it was just not spending on players to spend on them, right? Not just bringing them in because they're highly touted or this and that. If they don't fit our model, then it's not the right approach for us. So we've been very measured in our approach this year. Um, and then DJ was the first domino to fall and a big one because you're, you're spot on. You know, he was all NBL second team, arguably could have been placed in the first, but there's some amazing competition that he was playing alongside. And, you know, he brings a lot that we need. You know, we, I put a premium on, on shooting, we all do. And in this league, it's, it's vastly important the way the game's continuing to develop and, and shift to, um, you know, probably more non-traditional bigs. And DJ can play, you know, when we talk to him, he, he can sense himself being able to play one through four. I think he plays one through five because, you know, he can bring the ball up, he can stress the floor, he's big, he's long, um, he can post up and he's got a lot of crafty moves offensively. But for us, it was on the defensive end that probably surprised me the most last year. Um, I'd known him predominantly as an offensive player and was really encouraged by how well he did, you know, against, especially against some tough matchups. Like, he did a great job matching up against Dave in the grand final series. And from it was, you know, throughout the year, our coaches loved him. And so we've got to find a way to get this guy. So I'm just glad we've got someone of his caliber in, in the club. And I think he's going to play a big part in, in others wanting to come play alongside him. Chris, it's interesting, like you said, I imagine it's been a very due diligence and, and something of a pragmatic approach to free agency, but, I mean, obviously, how much of an impact has, I guess, sorting out Chase's future uh, had on that? And, and, I mean, what impact do you think it will have in terms of replacing him? Because he's, you know, a two-time championship winner. We we don't have many coaches with multiple championships. Their name has got to be said. It's a, it's a it's as big, I guess, a, a, a departure as you can get. Of, of course it is. And, you know, I couldn't speak more highly of Chase Open person as a basketball coach because you're, you're right that not many coaches have two NBL championships, but not many coaches have two NBL championships in two years and the record that he set along the way with these groups. You know, longest away winning streak in, in NBL history. Um, you know, for us, it was, it was a... a, a a long process, but I think one that we were just mindful of his career aspirations too. And we want our players and our coaches and our personnel to have that ability to, to chase their dreams and aspirations. And for him, I think he's one of the best coaches that, that I've been around. And so do I expect him? Um, could he be an NBA head coach one day? Of course. Can he be, should he be a front of bench or lead assistant? 100%. So, for us, it, you know, that's the, the dream he was chasing and we wanted that for him. But at, at some point in time, we just needed to, to look out at, at the club's best interest as well and go, look, we need to... There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
about Mitch Jennings this morning on Saturdays in the Gong. We've had Tina Turner's Simply the Best, but what's the connection to Chumbawamba's tub thump- thumping? How do they pair together? Oh, geez, interesting. There was a, I, I do think in all my time as a rugby league fan, which is basically from the time I arrived on this earth, mm. um, the one that was simply the best is, is, you know, it's Winks. It's way out in front. Nothing's ever compared to it. The magic is something they've tried to recapture, I think, ever, ever since. There's been some shockers. I do tend to think that's the one I most associate with my childhood where, you know, I was a wide-eyed league fan, yeah. no cynicism yet, none of that stuff. You just lap up everything you could possibly get and that's probably, right. I reckon, in my time, that's number two, I reckon. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly was very prominent, wasn't it? It was, was one of the big ones for rugby league. So, that's our theme this morning on Saturdays in the Gong. We're going with NRL theme songs from over the year. There'll be a couple more to come yet. We're just talking to Chris Prongrass, the uh, Sydney Kings Chief Executive. Now, interesting this week, signing DJ Hogue. We know the Hawks were in for him as well. Now, the Hawks were very proactive going into the market this year, obviously after the disastrous season last year and all the injuries and the issues that they had. Uh, they didn't have much choice but to go out there and get on top of it. So um, what do you make of the Hawks signing in terms of the Hawks missing out? And, you know, are, are the Hawks in a position now where they can can run with the teams like the Kings? It was interesting because DJ Hope would have been a fantastic signing for the Hawks not just because I mean it's easy to think he was an outstanding import last year mm. uh, he'd have been a great pickup for any team but I just think as far as some of the attributes that uh, Chris spoke to as far as you know all the tools he has when you've got uh, two imports in the backcourt as the Hawks do in, in Robertson and Tyler Harvey which has the potential to be the best backcourt in the NBL if we see a fully fit Justin Robertson which we, we didn't uh, last year lost him in game one Hogue would have no doubt been a huge sign obviously uh, El Presidente Matty Campbell revealed on this show that they were uh, the Hawks were in for DJ Hogue so yep. that missed him it's not a crippling blow by any stretch I mean they were looking for a third import the Hawks still are but they've already got their two imports they've already got uh, their roster locked down for the most part so I don't think it's a crippling blow as such I think they're, they're still looking for a, a, a complementary piece to go with the two inputs they already have and everything yeah. else three point shooting is the concern it was part of why I think Timmy Conrad the great Timmy Conrad I'm sure, sure I reckon we're going to see his uh, his jersey hung in the rafters there next to El Presidente this year would be uh, would be the hot tip for me but mm. uh, he sort of admitted at the back end of last year that he went around again he was committed he never wasn't Timmy but he sort of had realised he'd been talked back into it a little bit to go around again because they needed his three-point shooting. They needed someone in their front court that could stretch the floor. They bolstered their front court, the Hawks, in, in obviously Mason, Peatling, uh, Lockie Albrecht there as well. Sam Froling is obviously going to, you know, you'd hope go up another level again. So they've got an arsenal in the front court, but that three-point shooting, that stretch four position, which is so important in the NBL, I imagine that's somewhere they're still going to be looking. Uh, and But to your point about, you know, the moves they've made and, and the roster they have locked in, that was an absolute necessity. And a lot of those guys uh, are staying in Wollongong. Obviously, you, you get guys that'll drift uh, here, there, everywhere about where they're going to um, where they're going to go play in the off-season, but they're all Wollongong-based for the most part. Yep. Jacob Jacobus is already working with them. And when you've got a, a young coach who's coming off the season that the Hawks have had, it wasn't a coach you wanted to have having to pull a lot of pieces together close to the season. You wanted him to basically start, he's well in advance, but you know you want him to start pre-season with all the pieces locked in and get the work in to get the start right. So I think absolutely, like I said, with that, with that backcourt, hmm. Tyler Harvey, Justin Robinson, to your question about whether they can run with the big dogs, with those two, absolutely they can. It's about 
what they can get out of the rest of those role players. And things can turn quickly. Look at Cairns. DJ yep. Ho came in, transforming yep. effect on Cairns. They were they were uh, awful <laughs> um, the season before. They came right back in and got to where they got. So quick turnarounds are the nature of the way it operates, as Chris spoke to there. They they had a turnover of imports. Trying to go back to back, they had a turnover of three imports and still managed to do it. You can Things can change very, very quickly in the NBL, just the way it's set up and the way it operates. So absolutely, the Hawks can go up there and be a finals team this year, no doubt. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Oh, welcome back. Saturdays in the Gong, live from Wollongong Golf Club with thanks to the new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today, as well as Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. Tell you what, that might even be the big impact moment, just having that song. That's a throwback to the 1997 Super League season. As an, well, not quite an NRL theme song. It was the precursor to bringing the NRL into action. I guess it was, well, that was the most dramatic and uh, infamous period in rugby league history, Mitch. Indeed. Like I said, I was I was eight, eight, seven or eight. So at mm. the time, that was the theme. So as we were saying before, that doesn't even really register me. I can't even recall that one. Obviously, the wedge between, I guess, the tub thumping and the and the Tina Turner. So it's gone with that. I always say, as a journo, Baz, is what I would love to have been a part of that time. I know we yep. both love our jobs in the era we're in now, but that's, I always feel I'm a, I just miss what would have been, you know, my dream era of journal, and being a journal at that time, the stories so many of our colleagues that we speak to have about that time, Yeah, what a time it would have been to be working in uh, in rugby league well, media. I mean, the, the king of Windang, Steve Mascord, uh, he was a, a journal at the time, you know, he's written the book Two Tribes yeah. based on the recollections of the Super League uh, from both sides. It's a fantastic read. I absolutely loved reading it. Um, I... I was about 15 at the time, and I remember when the, when, it, when the game was trying to heal and they were coming together, how the game would be pieced back together, how many teams we would have, who would potentially merge with who, and how it was going to work, uh, let alone the politics that was going in, on in the background. And I remember as that 15-year-old sitting down, I used to have a notepad, and you'd sit there and look at different combinations of teams about who could merge with who, how it could work, what teams could come in, whether you'd have a two-tiered system, uh, you know, some kind of promotion. Really, There was all of these weird and wild um, things theories and, and things just going on. So it was just such an extraordinary period. And at the end of it, St George Illawarra are the product of part of that uh, when St George became a joint venture with the Illawarra Steelers, obviously. We probably won't ever see the Steelers back in action, but uh, the Illawarra now does have probably more clout than they've ever had in terms of the joint venture and, and probably in their rugby league history, even though they're not the Steelers, because we have the high performance centre coming to Wollongong. Um, they are based down here in Wollongong anyway, so it's a big next step for St George Illawarra. The Anthony Griffin uh, period has come to an end already. So I guess the next question is... What's going to happen here with Jason Riles? We we looked at the start of the week. It looked like things were maybe falling apart. There was some reports in the Sydney Morning Herald that 
um, the agreement was sort of not going the way that Jason Rolls wanted in terms of uh, football department guarantees and the structure of the club. But by the end of the week, the reports were going back the other way that there was a lot of goodwill and that they were working through those issues and that it, it was sort of very likely even in the next week or two that it might happen. Now, I've always been of the understanding that he was not only the hot favourite, but there was there was a lot of goodwill and that they were working towards um, a reasonable agreement, which seems to be getting closer. Where do you see that? Yeah, it is. It sort of went a bit quiet, didn't it? But I think that that's just what happens when you're working out the finer details of something. So I still think it's 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 red hot. It was, I think, a lot of it. Probably why it's gone a little bit quiet is probably negotiating uh, Rosie's exit from the Roosters. Initially, it was going to be, you know, he'd see out the year and then start in a, in the same way Craig Fitzgibbon probably did before he took on the the Sharks role. But it seems that's shifting. The Roosters seem to want to. Uh, I put a line in the sand in, in that regard because I've had some some dramas there. Obviously, Adam O'Brien before that, so I think that could be factoring into it. But interesting to hear he could come on board uh, this year. But Ryan Carr uh, will see out the year as interim coach, which to me is smart. A lot of people would say if he's going to be the coach, why wouldn't you throw him in right now? I think this is a rebuild scenario. Uh, I think the job should be the rebuild uh, as far as as. Jason Rolls is concerned as far as he goes into that role for they're talking five years I think it's more about the checks and balances on that I think there's acknowledgement from all parties that this needs to be a long term appointment and a long term role with a long term mandate yep. so I think they're probably but that's a that deal can be fraught with all sorts of dramas we saw that you know with Anthony Seabold in Brisbane I think we could probably call all the clauses that get inserted in these these deals these five year deals the Seabold clauses the Seabold clause I think so mm. I think there's probably just a lot yep. of details to be nutted out, and that's why it's, it's sort of gone a little bit quiet as you, you work through the, the fine print. But, uh, yeah, I still think odds on. And as you said, the the, the vet joint venture and Illawarra, the clout and everything else, well, here we have one of uh, one of Wollongong's finest products, uh, you know, in line to, to coach the club. Do, do the Roosters have any right to put Jason Rolls in the deep freeze this year? I mean... I understand the situation. They've had their fingers burned in terms of the Adam O'Brien situation and what happened before. And I know the way they operate as a club with Nick Politis as a power broker, but, I mean, they're not the only club where an assistant leaves to go and get another job. It happens often enough. Now, I know there's pressure on the Roosters this year. They're struggling. They're not performing. They've had issues with Sam Walker, and who's then been injured. So I know there's on-field issues there, and that probably doesn't help with the role situation just hanging in the background. But do the Roosters have any right to be talking about Jason Rolls being an issue and not seeing out the rest of his contract when Rolls has given them pretty good service over the years? No, oh, mate, it's ridiculous. Uh, we, like you said, we don't hear any other club uh, we spoke to Chris Pongrass earlier and he spoke to the fact that they want to be an organisation that will help people that go through that organisation achieve the ultimate ambitions. Now, if you're a coach, that's becoming an NRL coach. We, we see clubs move, assistants become head coaches everywhere else. We never seem to hear this same noise, this yeah, same wind, absolutely. this same sort of, how dare you. Yeah. It, there's, a bit of, uh, there's a bit of arrogance in it for mine. Yeah. It's no, you're, we're such a good club that you know the assistant coach... He's higher. That the role is on par. They're, being an assistant coach at the Roosters is on par with being an NRL head coach. It seems to be the way they view it in the at Roosters HQ anyway. So it is. I'm glad, it's an interesting point you bring up, Baz, because I can't recall this happening anywhere else. Tip, look, typically most assistant uh, assistant coach deals are typically one year. There's not so all there's you know release clauses that say they can leave for an NRL job. But probably it was Craig Fitzgibbon's approach that perhaps made the Roosters 
this become the norm at the Roosters? Because if you remember correctly, he was determined to, to see out his deal as an assistant coach with the Roosters. He'd been there a long, long time. So I think it's a special case. It's a different case to a lot of people that would come in yep. into assistant roles. But I think the fact that he was so uh, wedded to seeing out the final year of his deal there with the Roosters, it's come to be something which they seem to expect from other people that come into that role. So dare I say, like, to be devil's advocate or throw a bit of a curveball in there, the fact that they reportedly want to move roles on immediately, yeah. is it a hint of putting the queue in the rack on this year? Because they're struggling. Yes, they absolutely. absolutely they are battling. Yeah. Now, if they were hurtling, if they were in the top four and hurtling towards, you know, premiership contention, like a lot of people thought they would be, you know, at the start of the year, yep. we wouldn't have any of this discussion. We'd be saying, yep, that's great. We wish him all the best for next year, but we've got a premiership to win this year and he's a big part of that and here we go. But the fact that they're struggling, hmm. uh, to me, the fact that they're going this way, there's a hint of... Uh, you know, a concession in it, as far as I'm concerned from the Roosters. The, the weird thing is, they're only two points out of the eight. They've got the bye this week. So the wheels haven't totally fallen off in terms of the this, this season. But their form is so awful that when we were talking the conversation about um, who wins the wooden spoon and whether it's going to be the Dragons this year, I mean, the Tigers, the Bulldogs, contenders, obviously. The Cowboys, their form's been awful, although they, they had a crack last night. And then you've got the Knights and the Roosters and the Titans below that. So I know the Roosters should never really be in that wooden spoon contention, but so bad has their form been that it's not beyond you know, the realm of possibility that they'll be down there in that bottom three um, by, by the end of the season. Yeah, it's certainly not beyond the realm of possibility. I don't think it will occur. I just think there's too much class in that side. I think I still think they'll make the eight, to be honest. I think they'll they'll scrape in there towards the bottom once they get their personnel back. But, yeah, it's it's a situation. They're two clubs we did not expect. The Cowboys were my Smokies to win the comp hmm. coming into this year. Yeah. You know, they were tipped to win the wooden spoon they last were year. Got to a prelim. Last year. They were outstanding. Absolutely. They and were built on defence, too. That's yeah. the worry. When I watched that game last week against the Tigers, now, I know everything stuck for the Tigers, and you were just waiting... They, they had so much built-up tension for weeks and weeks after just being not competitive early on. You know, then they snagged a couple of wins after a couple of close losses. So I think they were building to a near-perfect performance like they delivered like that. But, you know, you just watch the Cowboys and there was just alarm bells ringing everywhere, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And it's if you want to talk about coaching scenarios and, and young coaches and are you trying to get the, the next young coach on the way up, the Cowboys probably thought, They'd found it there in Todd Payton, so hmm. there could be some pressure on him now and on the club in that regard, purely because he was under a mountain of pressure heading into last year, if you recall. A lot of people had him in the first coach sacked market just because of, you know, the rumblings of unrest, you know, in the playing group up there, and yep. it sort of transformed them. They came in and had an outstanding year, and he, he got signed on a, a very lucrative multi-year deal, and um, I, I don't, look, I think they showed enough last season and have shown still showing enough quality this year to suggest they've got the right man for their job up there but I just wonder if there's that little uh, little birdie on the shoulder going oh did we did we jump the gun here on this one because uh, I mean if you start to get another season like this one next year hmm. uh, it starts to get very very murky so it is interesting even we saw that with Anthony Seabold had a fantastic year in his first year at the Rabbitohs and uh, obviously the wheels fell off post that as well so people want to talk about an unproven coach or a rookie coach you can even have a I'll call it preliminarily proven coach yeah, yeah. and it can still it 
you still don't know if you've got the right man probably until two or three years down the track. So that's probably where we'll end up with Todd Payton. But yeah, it's it's mind-boggling the way they've fallen off this year, the Cowboys. No, absolutely. The Cowboys and the, the Roosters. Um, I want to go back to the Dragons. So Thursday night, 26-12, to 12, the Dolphins basically... Well, I know they were missing Ben Hunt, the Dragons, but that's basically written off their season in terms of final hopes. Let's catch a bit of the action from Thursday night. Hang on, we'll just hold off there because... That I sums up the Dragons' performance. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we just played the Dragons' highlights from that game. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, I just thought, because, I mean, I know they scored the three tries sort of in six minutes there, the, the Dolphins, but the Dragons just committed a lot of silly dumb football and then Toby Couchman snagged that try before half time and you thought oh how important is that but they were just a bit rudderless weren't they yeah it, especially in that second half they they couldn't get down the other end I heard our great, the great Matty Russell we had on earlier saying you know they needed points I don't think Ben Hunt was necessarily the answer as piling on points but their ability when it became a, a choke fest the, the, yeah. the Dolphins just absolutely strangled them out Game of them when they kicked it to the corner and just yep. absolutely they the Dragons couldn't build any pressure in response Jaden Sullivan did the bulk of the kicking it was very very tough for a young halfback playing 80 with a team on the back foot for almost you know the entire game barring that first 20 minutes so obviously Jacob Little 73 minutes he ended up playing so look I think uh, it was a disappointing performance but I was looking at those sorts of things and I think that's the type of uh, pain they were going to have to endure because Ryan Carr's brought back Jacob Little. He's been drip-fed action. He was not coming on this year, Jacob Little, and not through no fault of his own. He was just not being utilised well by Anthony Griffin. He looked really gassed by the end of that 73 minutes, but I think he will be better for that huge amount of time in the middle. Obviously, with Ben Hunt coming um, back in, you would think post-origin, provided he comes through unscathed, will limit uh, Jacob Little's minutes uh, to a degree. However, Ryan Carr decides to, to juggle that, but... I think that was necessary to throw him out there and just let him go close to the distance. So I think it was necessary for Jaden Sullivan to be out there in the seven to control the kicking game and be, you know, in charge of the entire sort of game management, which, as we've conceded, was not was not very good. But, I mean, the guy hasn't played a whole lot of 80-minute performances in the halfback jumper as well. I think he'll be better for it and having endured that one as well. So I don't think this game, as much as it was a poor performance was a, an utter loss. I think there's just some things they're going through that are necessary but are going to be a little bit painful. And it was the type of performance or the type of decision-making there that Anthony Griffin was averse to and also, in his defence, wasn't couldn't afford mm. um, as far as the position he was in there as well. So, yeah, interesting to see how you know it plays out from here. They've got a tough run. They've got a tough, tough they run do coming now. up. That's, yep. So that's what I thought. They've, they've got it in the origin period. So, you know, I, I imagine that type of game when they play the Panthers, you know, Ivan Cleary won't be absolutely clamouring to have his contingent, uh, you know, all coming back on deck for that one, and uh, they might come up against another couple of teams that take that approach, but, I mean, it's, it's a tough run coming up, so we, we spoke about that spoon conversation uh, a little bit earlier, um, you know, that's got to be in the thinking, you would think, just given the, the tough run they've got coming up. Well, let's recap uh, that action from Thursday night. Inside the 20. Here's Milford, goes flat, Lee now, a chance for a Sarko, he'll grab a second one in game number 100. What a night for him, the Centurion. Yeah, it was a big night for him and uh, playing really well as Wayne Bennett's just found a way to, you know, mix and match his recruitment in the way that they have, but just put it all together in 
just such sensational form. And, you know, the way Wayne Bennett's teams manage the game, the way that they've been able to take a mature approach in round one, in contrast to the Dragons, who... And this is the issue. There's a lot of talk around the fan base about, oh, let's let's play the kids in the halves. Uh, obviously, Sloan at fullback, and let's just build it up over time. But you see there on Thursday night that that's the problem. Is that it's not just that they 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 can score points. You know, they know how to put on a big play. Um, they do have that combination together. But it's it's the finesse. It's the game management stuff. And as you said before, so we've got the Panthers uh, next Sunday. They then play the Rabbitohs. They've got the bye in round 16. They've then got the Warriors, the Sharks and the Raiders before their second bye. So that's not probably um, the true form line, only because Origin will throw some of that out with player selections. But, yeah, it's a, it's a really um, tough month. What, what do you think the Dragons need to do with Ben Hunt now? I mean... Does he just commit and play another year? Um, you know, I know he'd probably want two more years. But if we're talking about a rebuild, and I guess Jason Rolls has got to have his own view, because the thing with Rollsy is that he was forced out by Wayne Bennett in 2008. So it's not, you know, he may well look at doing the same thing with Ben Hunt. Mate, I wrote a column this week, Baz, referring to Brandon Smith and a few of his struggles at the Roosters, uh, coming to grips with being a full-time dummy half again. Now, he was a guy that came through when he was Cameron Smith's logical successor in Melbourne. And that was gonna that was always just gonna be the logical succession. But he was willing for the best best thing for the team, you know, I'm just happy to be playing and winning. Played a utility forwards role. Meanwhile Harry Grant Now, Mitch Jennings, that's a bit of a forgotten one in terms of NRL themes. The early 2000s, it was Tom Jones. It was uh, turned from what a man into what a game. Rightly so. Forgotten that one, I think. Had forgotten it. Yes, absolutely. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've had some good ones. That one, I uh, all, all respect to the great Tom Jones, that theme. Uh, yeah, that one is quite rightly resigned to history, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, that was, that was early 2000s. We're continuing the NRL theme song theme here on Saturdays in the Gong. Our next guest is the new Illawarra Turf Club Chief Executive. By way of introduction, he's been in charge at the Murrumbidgee Turf Club in Wagga and more recently up at Scone Race Club. So he brings his experience to Royal Kembla Grange in July. Good morning to you, Steve Keane. Yeah, good morning, guys. How are you going? Very well, mate. Very well. Um... It's a bit of an end of an era here at Kembla Grange. Obviously, uh, Peter DeVries has spent more than two decades in charge of the Illawarra Turf Club. And, um, you know, the place has transformed in many ways. Obviously, racing in New South Wales is flush with prize money. Uh, there's great expansion out there at uh, Kembla Grange in terms of uh, they've bought up some land. They're looking at expanding a lot of the stabling and uh, attracting new trainers to the Illawarra. So there's a lot of opportunities opportunity in the new role at Kembla? Yeah, no, 100% there is. Like, Peter's done a fantastic job, and as I said the other day, you don't accidentally uh, hold a role like this for over 20 years, so um, look, he's, he's left a great platform for me to work from, and uh, I look forward to getting down there and um, working hard and continuing to add value to uh, what is a great product. So, it's um, racing New South Wales are uh, fantastic at the moment, and um, 
yeah, they're, they're really supporting racing strongly and, and that'll continue. Yeah, can't wait to get down there. I guess by, by way of background in, in your career, there's been a lot of uh, development there at Scone and obviously there's a lot of investment in terms of uh, owning and breeding uh, out there in the, the general hunter area. So, you know, just tell us, I guess, about some of the, um, you know, the developments that have happened out there. Yeah, that's right. So racing through the state government and racing New South Wales, they've, they've uh, invested a significant amount of money in in both stabling and track facilities in uh, a poly track will be uh, installed in the second half of the year as well as the start on the building of 300 uh, dual storey um, boxes so, uh, in three complexes um, similar to what they've got at Rose Hill so um, and look that's, that's one of a number of projects that they're, they're putting money into and, and investing in racing in New South Wales and I'm sure Kembla like all the other clubs will um, yeah, we'll benefit from that as well. So, yeah, exciting times ahead for all. Is there a lot that you can sort of take out of that time with Scone uh, in bringing in terms of whether it be um, facilities, infrastructure um, or events um, to what we might look forward to at, at Kembla Grange? Yeah, look, my strong suit's always been around the race day events. So, uh, look, we'll, we'll look to, as I said, add value to, to those race days. We've, we've got a number of great race days, but, um, yeah, we will continue to grow. And as I said, Peter's, Peter's left a, a great, um, I guess, footprint for us to, to really work from and to really keep keep growing both um, yeah, the, the racing and the, the training side of things. So, um, look, the, the poly track's already installed there. So I guess my first two or three months will be just having a look and um, and yeah, just just seeing where, where we can um, continue to grow and, and prosper. Now you must be keen to get your hands on the gong, mate. I mean, I've uh, I've covered the gong since its inception. It's just been such a fantastic addition. We we sort of treat it like our mini Everest down here, and you know, covered covered's an interesting way to describe it, Matt. <laughs> well, I'd, I, say, I, I'd say participate. I have yeah. been in the corporate facilities on race <laughs> I, day. I have uh, also covered the gong couple, before. <laughs> yeah, well, that that is very true. Yeah. But yeah, it's just such a fantastic event. Yeah, look, can't wait to yeah get get your hands on that one. Um, look, I've been fortunate to be able to be in charge of some of the biggest country carnivals in Scone and Wagga over the last five years. So I look forward to you know further growing the footprint of the Gong and and really cementing that as, as a high quality race. Um, yeah, it's not every day you, you race for for such large prize money outside of uh, Sydney and Melbourne. So it's it's um, great initiative for racing in South Wales and and we'll continue to support it and really get that grow as the years go on. I did catch myself mid-interview here. I thought I felt like I was just uh, conducting a fairly formal interview, but I, I should tell the listeners that we do go back away, back to the old Wagga days. Uh, we played a bit of, bit of cricket together back in Wagga, back in the day when you were a, a big, angry fast bowler. Yeah, I was a little bit thinner and uh, a little <laughs> bit thinner back then. But um, father time has caught up, so... Uh, yeah, they are a very distant memory, but yes, no, we, we have shared a good relationship over a little while, so it'll be good to reconnect. Yeah, and I mean, I've talked a few times on uh, this show, uh, coming from Wagga, I mean, the Wagga Cup Carnival is uh, just about my favourite event of the year to go back um, every every year. Obviously, you've been in charge there at, uh, at Wagga and just the success that um, it's been for such a long time. Yeah, that's right. It is a historically successful carnival, and, and look, you are noted as one of the uh, regulars down there, and 
look, I don't think the Wagga Carnival would go on if Jim Barrow wasn't uh, to make an appearance <laughs> each year. So, um, but yeah, part of the furniture down there. But no, it is. It's both going in and uh, the Wagga Gold Cup Carnival. So they're, they're both the bucket list carnival. And, and they're the sort of race meetings that we want to develop. And um, I think the Gong can be that for, for Wollongong, that, that one where the punters clubs and the, the sporting groups, they, they get together each year and, and they, you know, they leave they leave one year wanting to rebook for the next year. So that's, that's the goal there with, with uh, the Gong and, and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to create a few days like that. So, yeah, that's, that's the challenge ahead and, and look forward to taking it on. I guess the Kembla Classic's a bit of an opportunity there too. Like I know it's a it's a Friday meeting and a Friday event, but um, you know it, it's a you know it's a great standard of race. I mean the Gong sort of carries its own aura in terms of the million dollar race, and um, you know I think the the Illawarra is really um, uh, just excited, really taking it on board as as their race. They get great crowds, and obviously being a, a Saturday meeting at the end of the carnival. But yeah, I mean the Kembla Classic's another race where there's uh, there's real opportunity there. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think there's no disadvantage from being on the Friday. And, and I think, if anything, that's what the carnivals like Stone and Wagga do highlight is, you know, you can get big crowds on those days. And if you, if you give the patrons a, a reason to come out and enjoy the day of the races, they'll take the day off work or they'll make the effort to come along. So, yeah, that's, that's one of the challenges that we'll look to, to um, I guess, grow. And, um, yeah, as I said... There's no reason why people won't take the day off. You've just got to give them the reason and, and uh, give them a good time and then they'll keep coming back. So that's, that's what we'll look to do. And, mate, I know you've got kids who are talented young basketballers, so I'm sure I'm looking forward to seeing uh, them coming and dominating the boards at the Snake Pit. Yeah, that's the plan. So they'll, they'll finish up the year with Maitland and, um, yeah, they're, they're looking forward to getting down um, look they already know a few of the kids from Illawarra and things like that so yeah good things about their program so yeah they're, they're 40 kids so they love the lifestyle that comes along with uh, living in the Illawarra so yeah they're all excited as well absolutely mate so uh, tell us when do you uh, when do you officially come on board at uh, the Illawarra Turf Club yeah it'll be the 24th of July so Monday there I'll, I'll have a week with Peter just as a bit of a handover he'll He'll show me the lay of the land, and then um, yeah, we'll we'll get cracking, um, you know, straight into won't be long, and the, and the gong will be around. So and, um, yeah, we'll we'll be all guns blazing, uh, yeah, in the start of August. Very good, mate. Well, it's great to have you on board on uh, Saturdays in the gong. I look forward to uh, catching up with you down at Royal Kembla very soon. Nah, thanks, thanks for your support, guys, and uh, yeah, look forward to getting down there and, and getting stuck in. Cheers, mate. Go well. We'll head to a break. We're going to talk to Kembla Grange trainer Joe Ebel. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Continuing the racing theme, we just had Steve Keane, the new Illawarra Turf Club boss, 
talking on Saturdays in the gong. And now we've got Kembla Grange trainer Joe Ibel, who's dropped in here at Wollongong Golf Club. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. How are we? Very good, mate. Very good. Now, bit of winning form this week already with uh, Septime saluting. That's your first start for you with the stable two off one trial. So I'm pretty impressed there. Yeah, we were very confident going into it. We we bought him online two months ago and we bought him as a horse that we think could go to Sydney and be competitive in those midway races on the Saturday. Yep. So to get him off to a flying start like that was great. Yeah, impressive too, laid down nicely. Yeah, and he's got a lot more to offer. He's still quite raw and new to it all, so okay. I think uh, there's plenty more wins for him. One to follow. That was 1,200. Career's been around that sort of 12, 1,300 mark. Is that sort of... Um the, the right distance, or will it, will it get a bit further? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'd like to see him hopefully get out to 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that brings a provincial championship into into the realms for him. Sure. So that's the sort of horse I think that he can progress into, but he's just got a little few kinks that we need to iron out before he can show his true ability. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, impressive win, and uh, looks to have plenty of upside as a three-year-old uh, gelding. We turn to today's Kembla Grange meeting. You've got the one runner, Mil Ciento, drawn the inside gate, John Van Overmeer to ride about the $14 mark at the moment in uh, a class one over 1300 this afternoon. Yeah, he finds a firm track which is very suitable for him and he loves Kembla. He's run a couple of really nice races there without luck, storming home late and, and, and filling the placings. So I'm hoping after a couple of average starts to his campaign. Today, back to his home track. Nice barrier draw, good jockey. He can uh, show his true form. Relatively down in the weights as well, so pretty well suited. Yeah, well suited. He's not the biggest horse, so no weight on his back. Certainly an, an advantage, and I just think the horse excels at Kembla. So you know, after a couple of trips away to start his preparation, getting him back to his home track will, will definitely suit. Where will you get to in the run? I guess that's sometimes with the, the inside draw. I mean, obviously, Kembla, the big straight, you usually get your chance, but where do you want to sort of see him? Land. I'd love to see him sit midfield, but he does have a nasty habit of missing the kick, so yep. barrier one's probably not ideal. Uh, he did have a jump out of Kembla last week, and he, he pinged the gates really well, so I'm hoping he can do that, settle just in behind the speed, and things can open up for him in the straight. Career just looking back there, um, four starts for just the one placing on soft and no luck on the heavy. Doesn't handle it, or just more the you know just circumstance of, of where he's run? No, I think anything worse than a soft seven he doesn't handle. Um, He has raced in a lot of uh, tougher races, but I think on top of the ground, like he's going to have today, definitely going to suit much better than a soft track. Yep, okay. Very good. Well, an eight-race card out there at Kembla Grange today. The first jumping at 11.55, which would give me just enough time to jump in the car, get down there and enjoy an afternoon at Kembla. I could probably make it. I'm I'm up at Dumbarton. Yeah, yeah, you're only just just up the road. Yeah, I could roll down the hill, mate. The problem is you can roll down the hill. You just can't roll back back up the hill. So that's that's always my struggle when I get down from Dumbarton. So, yeah, Yeah. like I said, lovely bride Ange usually has to do the uh, the pick-me-up. Ange would be on call. Gee, you owe her a couple of favours with that, mate. Mate, you've seen it. She, She had us going when we went. Uh, the last time we headed down there in the Burt Lily Lounge, yep. like, she was carrying the team. She was best on ground. <laughs> she, for she hadn't picked. She was picking on. Uh, she was picking on silk colours, and off we went. Yeah, yeah. Off to the races, genuinely. So. She, she had a fantastic day out there. I tell you what, it's a great day in the Burt Lily Lounge. I enjoy it every time I get the chance. Righto, let's get some tips for our punters out there on SEN Track Illawarra Saturdays in the Gong. Joe, what have you got for us today? Have you found anything? I found one really good value at Kembla today. Race three. Right down the bottom, Monty Tiana from the Robert and Luke Price stable. 
She's $26 at the moment, $5 a place. I think that's a great each-way go. She actually jumped out with, with Milciento, mm -hmm. and I was pretty impressed with the way it went. Uh, they put a big gap in the rest of the jump out, so I've been keeping an eye on it, and I think it's really good odds today, something at a bit of value. And then we look to Eagle Farm for the Kingford Smith. I don't think you can go past the favourite. Think about it. Lovely yep. horse, just keeps winning. Great jockey, great trainer. Uh, $4.20 about him is probably a good bet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, interesting runner, Montetiana. So Grant Buckley aboard around the $27 mark. First starter off two official trials, but was only a length off Cafe Millennium in an open trial. The first one looks like it was a pretty sort of quiet trial. So seemingly wound up ready to go as a first starter. So, yeah, that's certainly an interesting runner for the, the price table. Yeah, and something at a bit of odds. So if she can salute, that would get the day off to a good start. Oh, absolutely, at those sort of odds. Uh, yeah, interesting up there um, at uh, Doombin as well. Um, you know, Zaki's just drawn that really sort of awkward gate. Um, the best horse in the race, no doubt, uh, in that race. But uh, it's a pretty open affair outside of that. Um, do we do we back or bet around Zaki today? Always. Jenna, what have you got? <laughs> Just sticking? <laughs> I haven't spoke to Andy. Oh, I Eagle Farm, on the sorry. Phone. I was going to say. I said, I said Doombin. I said, what are you looking at your Doombin oh, for? Oh, no. I, I <laughs> said, you're getting right down the, the floor. The wrong side of the road. They're back, they're, they're back to back there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, you know, it's just a, well, it's one of those races. I mean, think about it. It's the $5 mark for the Kingsford Smith um, race there. So that's uh, that's certainly value enough there. So, yeah, good day up at um, up at Doombin today. So a couple to back. What else can we look forward to, Joe? Um, Quiet week for the stable. We'll have one runner later in the week at Nowra. I Am Mighty, she's coming off a really solid second there last start. Um, she can be winning in... At nominations, the race doesn't look overly strong, so I think she's in great form this time in with a, a fourth and a second in her two runs back, so she can go one better. And then, yeah, pretty quiet after that, and we'll have a few runners in the upcoming weeks. Very good. Well, plenty of winners coming from the Eyeball Stable. We've got one more break left in us, and we'll be back to wrap it up. Down, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Now, Mitch Jennings, I just realised I've had a bit of a nightmare there. Zaki obviously ran in last week's Doomben Cup, but just recapping the two tips today. Kembla Grange, race three, first starter, Monty Tiana, around the $27 mark. So that's uh, one of it. And think about it in the Eagle Farm Kingsford Smith Cup. So Joe Ibel there, um, a great supporter of this show, with a couple of tips along the way. He's also got Mil Ciento running today at Kembla Grange. Before we wrap up, Geno, well, we talked about the Dragons and their predicament. What can you pick the eyes out of the rest of the NRL round? Well, I'm interested to see the Warriors and the Broncos one because uh, the Warriors are in a really good position. This is typically where, in pre pre uh, recent years, they've uh, they've been in that uh, wooden spoon reckoning we're talking and the origin period becomes their chance to, to rebuild, but they're in a good position going to this. I think they can really, really build a platform through this uh, this period of year and they've got the golden opportunity Broncos without yeah, origin without, players. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a must win for them if they're going to have that, that, uh, that push, but they're in... To, to use this origin period we're seeing Parramatta are probably using it in the in the sense the Warriors typically have in recent years as being a bit off the pace and needing to build through that period the Warriors they can lay such a good platform they, they can be period. a rock solid top 8 team if Absolutely. they come out of the other side if of the origin period they come out of that exactly so I think they're someone that they're a team that are really looking to build through uh, yeah through this period so that's an interesting one to watch this afternoon Rabbitohs Raiders 
uh, like I said, touched on in the set of six a little bit earlier, Jack White in there. I'm expecting a huge performance from him because this is why he's retired from rep footy to be of value in these very type of games. So I reckon he's going to be uh, in for a massive one there. Thanks to Wollongong City, GWM, Havel, also to Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. And a huge thanks to all our guests from Matt Russell, Steve Keane, Chris Pongrass and Joe Eibel from Eibel Racing. This has been Saturdays in the Gong Live.